Good evening. So it's first two rows. Just because it's dark in here doesn't mean I can't see you. Good evening. Evening. It's so lovely to be here at the six. Um, we're continuing our series called This Is Living Now, and we've been discerning as a church, how do we live well in this new year? And we looked at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the different lessons we've got to learn from these great fathers of the faith. And today, we're looking at Joseph. Now, Joseph is one of my favorites because I confess in front of all gathered here that I am a huge Joseph and Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat fan. And so if at any point in the service I just break out into song and suddenly start singing, Jacob, Jacob and Sons, like that, then do... <laughs> Do you know what's funny is that I preached in both services this morning and my wife was so desperate to watch Jacob and uh, Joseph and the Amazing Chemical Dreamcoat that we just watched it before I just came here. So my day has been seeped in Joseph. But the reason that Joseph is amazing is because God wants to encourage us with this story that he is with us and he is for us. Joseph is a great narrative from chapter 37 to 50 of Genesis. He moves from being thrown in a pit, into a pit to ruling in a palace. But the story isn't about the palace. The story is primarily about how he navigates and negotiates the pits of life. Joseph was a dreamer. He's someone who lived a life of drama you know, we've all got that one friend who tells us stories constantly and we can't believe that that one friend has had everything happen to them. That was Joseph. He would have things happening to him all the time. Joseph was from what we would probably call a dysfunctional family. His father, Jacob, had many wives and many sons and Joseph was the favorite son of the favorite wife. Now, if that's not going to cause infighting, I'm not sure what will. And all Joseph's brothers knew that Joseph was their father's favorite. And they hated him for it. Worse than that, there was evidence of this rampant favoritism. There was an amazing technicolor dream coat that Jacob had given Joseph to show his love for him. And all the brothers hated him. Have you ever seen someone given something that, if we're honest, just makes the jealous rage rise up inside of us? When I was seven years old, it was my seventh birthday good maths and I had been given a Bart Simpson birthday cake by my mum she'd made it my surname is Simpson and we had the spiky hair and everything it was pristine and my brother who was probably about four at the time did not like that I had been given a Bart Simpson birthday cake and we were all outside playing in the garden high on sherbet just loving life and then my mum said it's time to come in we're going to sing happy birthday to Tom <laughs> what could be better and we come in, and my brother has taken one of those candle holders and stabbed the face of Bart Simpson thousands of times. So the point where Bart Simpson is defaced, he doesn't have a face, he no longer even really looks like a cake. Now imagine that type of jealousy times a lifetime. The brothers of Joseph have seen Joseph being given everything when they've been given nothing. Joseph having to do no work when they have to do everything. Imagine that type of jealousy. Now, Joseph is the favorite, but he seems naive. He bounds up to his brothers, who are burning with anger, and he says, guys I, guys, I had a dream. And in this dream, all our sheaves of corn were bound up from the field, and mine, it rose up, and yours bowed down to mine. 
<laughs> what do you think? And then he goes, ah, oh, I forgot. I also had another dream where the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to me. What do you think? The brothers are enraged. Joseph is practically saying, I am the center of the universe. Then Jacob sends the brothers into the field to work. Obviously not with Joseph, because he doesn't need to do work. And a few days later, Jacob sends Joseph to check on the brothers in the field. And the brothers see him from afar. How do you think they spot him? He's wearing his bling new coat. And the brothers plot his death. And Reuben says, don't kill him, but put him into this pit, into this cistern, just a hole in the ground. So they grab him, put him in the cistern in the pit. And then some Ishmaelites walk past and the brothers sell Joseph into slavery, into Egypt. Joseph is separated from his father, from his family and from his favor. But more than that, Joseph is separated from his land. And in those days, the gods were tied to the land. They were regional. You had the God of the Canaanites in Canaan, the Ammonites, the Philistines. But the God of the Bible, the Hebrew God, is about to teach Joseph an incredible lesson. That that God, our God, is not bound by region, nor circumstance. He is the God of all. So Joseph is sold as a slave into the house of Potiphar, Pharaoh's chief executioner or guard. And he does well. And we start to think, yes, Joseph's on the up. He's doing well. But Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph and he refuses. And she claims that he tried to sleep with her. So Potiphar throws Joseph into jail from the pit to the prison. Joseph is now a slave in an Egyptian jail where again, he's given responsibility and favor and he's put in charge of feeding all the prisoners. He befriends two of Pharaoh's servants who have been thrown in jail with him, a baker and a cupbearer. And having just watched it, it's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> there I was standing with baskets. No. But the, we can't clap every time, guys. We can't clap every time. Otherwise, we were here or we're leaving. But the baker and the cupbearer have dreams. And Joseph interprets their dreams. The baker, it's not good, he dies. The cupbearer is restored to his position as cupbearer to Pharaoh. The cupbearer has the ear of Pharaoh. He could rescue Joseph by telling Pharaoh of his great dream interpretations. Yet in one of the Bible's classic understatements, probably of the millennia, it just says in verse 23 of chapter 40, the chief cupbearer, However, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. The next line, two years later. You know, we get angry when people forget anniversaries, names, dates. He was totally forgotten. Joseph languishing in a prison and two extra years in this prison because he was forgotten by the cupbearer. Then Pharaoh has dreams and it suddenly suits the cupbearer to remember that Joseph can interpret dreams. So Joseph is called before Pharaoh and asked to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. God gives Joseph the interpretation. Then Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, says to this Hebrew slave, can we find anyone like this man so full of the spirit of God? Pharaoh continues, since God has made this known to you, there's no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people. 
and only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Wow. From the pit to the prison to the palace. Talk about a Hollywood movie. Joseph has been abused by his brother, accused by Potiphar's wife, forgotten by the cupbearer, and now the second in command to the most powerful nation in the whole world with the ear of Pharaoh. What a total transformation from the pit to the palace. Isn't it incredible that God can do that in one encounter? And we all have visions and dreams of what our lives will look like. And often they hold a lot more palace than they do pit. Yet each of us will experience pit moments in our lives. We will all face pits and places where we feel trapped like we're in prisons. What does the pit look like? For Joseph, it's literally being thrown into a cistern, into a hole in the ground, being falsely accused and thrown into a prison, forgotten, forsaken. And whilst we might not be thrown into pits, quite literally, we do have pits in our lives. The pit of despair, broken relationships, health problems, or the prison of debt and repetitive sin. I've experienced moments of pit throughout my life. Two years ago, I suddenly was struck down with my immune system stopping to work, stopping working. And my whole body shut down. I started to get eczema all over my body. I couldn't move without bleeding. And my mind started to suffer. I started to get depressed. And where I felt lost and forsaken by God, I felt forgotten. But whether we're thrown in, whether we slipped in or whether we even just jumped into the pit, God redeems us from the pit. And God wants to encourage each of us this evening of his promise and his purpose. His promise that he is with you and his purpose he has for you. God promises to be with us. Joseph's story often gets a lot worse before it ever gets better. And I wonder throughout this whole ordeal, how does he keep going? How does he cope? When he's put into prison, he's falsely accused. The Bible says in Genesis 39, 21, write this down, stick it on your wall. But while Joseph was in there in the prison, the Lord was with him and showed him his kindness and granted him favor. How does this pampered, privileged boy survive the pits and prisons of life? He's sustained by God's closeness, kindness, and favor. And that promise of closeness is for us as well. Whatever situation we go through, whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, pit or palace, God is with you and he won't leave you. Jesus says in Matthew, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Always. Now always doesn't mean sometimes. It means always. And I know because I looked it up in the dictionary. Always, at all times, on all occasions, always God is with you. St. Paul says in Romans, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor power nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all need to be persuaded, just as Paul is. There is nothing that can separate us from God. He promises to be with you. And he also has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for your life. 
Joseph must have felt a million miles away from the purposes of God, so far removed from the 17-year-old dreamer who boasts to his brothers, hidden in a prison cell in Egypt. But God sees everything. He's with him. And although he's hidden from the world, he's not hidden from God, not discounted by God. In fact, it's totally the opposite. God uses him to fulfill the dreams that he had as a boy, but also to lead a foreign nation through a crisis. God has a purpose for each of us, and we can never be hidden from him. God is working in us, he's working through us, even when we're hidden in the world, even when we're in the pit or prison of life. All that Joseph's been through, he could easily be defined by the pits of life. Wrongly abused by his brothers, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. But God is in the business of using seemingly broken, lost, and hidden people for his purposes. People like Joseph, people like you, and people like me. So Joseph, with the promises of God, is refined and not defined by the prison and pit. I have the privilege of going into Bronzefield Women Prison and Feltham Young Offenders Prison, And we go in there and we run a course called Alpha that Lewis mentioned earlier where it's a great place to just discuss the big ideas of life. What is the meaning of life? Explore the meaning of life. And we run it in Feltham. And I often wonder when I go into Feltham what these boys think of me. These guys, they're hard, hard nuts and I am anything but hard. I spend Sunday afternoons watching Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat. So I wonder what they think of me as I walk in and just say, guys, we love you. And nobody walks into prisons and says, I love you. But we walk in and I make a point as much as possible. We say, we love you guys and you are not defined by the crimes that you've committed. On the last course, we had Fernando come in, who is, uh, he came to speak here once, I think, and share his testimony. But Fernando was born in a Miami jail. And he moved to the UK and was selling drugs by the time he was a teenager He was in prison as a teenager, and when he came out, he was living in a squat house. And in that squat house, he met God. He knew that God was with him. And he talks about being changed slowly, realizing that he wasn't defined by his past pits of his life. And he's now training for ordination with me and Lewis at St. Melitus College. He's got a billion degrees or of, you know, university degrees. And as Fernando was telling his story, this one lad in prison started to cry. As well as walking in and saying, you love people, you don't cry in prison. But this lad starts to cry because he realizes in this testimony that God has a purpose for each of our lives. And we're not defined by the pits, the past mistakes, the problems, the circumstances. And so he starts to weep. And we can often think that we're defined by the pits of life. We're defined by our mistakes, our problems, or our circumstances. But but Joseph's time in prison doesn't define him, it refines him. Joseph is almost unrecognizable when he speaks to Pharaoh. No longer a naive dreamer who boasts to his brothers. Instead, Pharaoh says, there is no one as full of the Spirit of God as this man. Joseph was refined and not defined by the pit in prison. He had learned to feed the prisoners in prison so that he could feed a nation. He had learned in the pit what he would do in the palace. 
Joseph hold tight, holds tight to the promise of God that he is with him and trusts God has a purpose for him. Just like Joseph, God has a purpose and a plan for you. It says in Proverbs 16, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. As we look out onto the future, not knowing what it will hold, know that the Lord can establish your steps. Even when we're weak and broken and in the pits of life, God is with us and he has a purpose for us. And if you don't feel weak this evening, maybe you're in your comfort zone and you need to be pushed out slightly. Because the reality is we are all weak. Hudson Taylor, who was a great missionary who went to China, he has this quote that really resonates with me. He says, God uses men and women who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. God uses men and women who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Each of us is weak and feeble and we can lean on God because he is strong. Lean into God today. We're not discounted by God. We're not defined by the pits of life. The story of Joseph encourages each of us as we negotiate the pits of life, as we navigate the pits of life. God promises to be with you always. And God has a purpose for us. Amen.